Hello and welcome to Oakwood Connects. We're going to continue with our look at the parables of Jesus and what happens to the seed when it gets thrown amongst the thorns. Well, hello. And as you're listening to this, it probably already sounds different. Usually the... Uh, the pastor would be the one starting the show, but uh, Pastor Ariel has taken a call to a different church, which would uh, also explain why there's been such a long uh, break in between these these shows. And so we're going to move forward. We'll be looking at how to do this in the future, but uh, we will have other people here with me because one of my first rules when we started this was I was never going to do this by myself. But uh, here we are. We are in different times. Um, these are going to be the uh, Corona episodes because that's the time that we are living in right now. And so we're all self-quarantined. And I thought, you know what? We need we need to have something during the week. Now more than ever, I guess, as they say. So that's why I decided I would do this by myself. I'm not very comfortable with it, but we're going to give it a shot here. Uh, so we have been going through the parables of Jesus, and we were looking at the parable of the sower. And where we left off, we are about to go into the seed that goes amongst the thorns. And uh, so let's take a look at that. It's Matthew 13, verse 22. And it says, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. <clears throat> Excuse me. The cares of this world. You know, Mark and Luke, they in their versions, they clarify it a little bit more, adding the riches, the lust of things. Luke says cares, riches and the pleasures of this life. So let's kind of put this whole picture together. So the sower is God. We looked at that already. The soil is all of mankind. And the seed is the word of God, the promises of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's prodding. The different scenarios of the cultivating of where the seed goes, the the combo of the seed growing in the soil and it comes up, and the cares of this world, when it comes to the thorns, it is the the world choking it out. You know, it's something I uh, I find interesting in this parable. You know, it doesn't speak of a soil where the seed doesn't land, which means God's prodding, God's word, Jesus's message it doesn't uh it do, there's no place there's no soil there's no human beings that uh are without excuse everybody in some way has heard of Christ or know of God in some way you know Romans chapter 1 and you're going to hear me ruffling through pages and stuff like that sorry about that but in Romans chapter 1 verses 20 through 22 says this, <clears throat> For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, 
even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were, their thank- nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. So what we have here is, as we're looking at the thorns, we see that no man is without excuse. We all have something. We've all heard something or or we know. We just we were born with this knowledge of God, no matter how loose it was. You know, as most of you know, I, I come from a household that didn't practice any kind of religion. And even as a kid, I had heard of God. I had I've heard of him and uh I knew bits and pieces here and there. I was not void of any kind of knowledge of God. I I had heard of him. And what I knew about God at that time, you know, it did make sense to me as a child. Uh, there was this creator, because even as a child I understood that, in my own way anyway, that you you know, you can't get something from nothing. Something had to create this. I mean as bad as it is, and again, here we are living in the uh, corona time, uh, <clears throat> even as bad as it is, there's no way that how the earth moves and how we stand on it and our bodies and all of that, it's too perfect to be an accident. So even then, I knew some way, as a kid, I knew there had to be something, a creator of some kind. And I knew you could pray to this creator. I had heard people say that you could pray to him. And now, granted, as a kid, it was more like uh, how you would talk to Santa Claus, right? It was, hey, I want this, God, so, you know, give that to me type of thing. Because I was a kid, and that's my, again, that was my understanding of God. He was more like a Santa Claus type of thing. Uh, but that's what I knew. That was what I knew. And, uh, again, not the greatest foundation, but... I wasn't, again, it wasn't that I didn't know who God was. I had somehow picked up those things. It it wasn't the greatest foundation, but I I knew. I knew some things. Excuse me. My point, even knowing nothing, with no formal training, I still knew that there was something. God still reached out to me. But in my case, and... In many cases, the seed that God reached out to me, that seed was, uh, it wasn't cared for. It wasn't cultivated. And the weeds and the thorns grew up with it because if you think about that, if the seed that's thrown out there isn't cultivated, it's still growing, but it's growing wildly amongst the thorns, amongst the weeds. And if you've ever gardened or if you've ever been around, you know, uh, foliage as it grows, I mean, it's a, it's a uh, fight for life. Things grow faster than others. And, and for some reason, it always seems that weeds win out. So the weeds would grow up faster and it, it chokes out that seed that God gives. You know, the, the argument that most have against God is, you know, if there really is this omnipotent loving God, then why, right? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much chaos in the world? And 
again, I'm sure a lot of people are asking that, why not? Or right now, I mean. And, you know, why these cares? Why do we have all these? If this, if there's this loving God, then everything should be perfect, right? So, like myself, these questions that people have, those are the thorns. Those are exactly what those are. Those are the thorns. They come up and they choke the word of God out. They choke out that childlike faith that you once had because of all of these things that are out there. We have decided that if they are out there, then there's no way that this God can be out there too. Just like in Romans when it says we... Um, our, our foolishness, we decide that's our wisdom, right? We've outthunk God, if you will. We, we have decided that because of all these examples of bad things, and let's face it, it's out there, right? There are bad things out there. But because of those things, then there's no way that there can be a God. Because let's be honest, what is it that people would have against a creating God who is a loving God and wants nothing but the best for us? Nobody has a problem with that. What they do have a problem with is how can we keep going in this world that is obviously not perfect. <clears throat> you know, I uh, it's hard to see to the beauty when you have all of these thorns around you. It's hard to see the beauty of a solid foundation of God's work in this world with all of those struggles, with all of that chaos. I'll use the example. I think I've used it before. When I was a kid, my neighbors, we had a fence line, and it was full of these wild grapevines. And if you've ever dealt with those vines, they're ridiculous. They they choke out everything. They are they just spread everywhere. And my neighbors had a rose bush in in this uh, fence line. And as long as you kept the grapevines away from it, it would produce roses. But that was it seemed like the hardest thing to do was to keep those wild grapevines that did nothing. They didn't even produce grapes. I was told they were grapevines. They were just vines. I don't know. They could. I don't know if they produced grapes or not. But anyway, uh, it was it was a difficult task, and you would you would try to cut back these vines all the time, and you never found a root. You never found where they came from. They just spread, and they just caused chaos. Um, they would just grow and grow, and it was never ending without a root. Jesus explains. Who these thorns, who these these weeds, he explains all this chaos that we have, who these tares are in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 13. He explains the uh, parable for us. Again, this is Matthew 13 verse 38. And it says, The field is the world, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. You know, it makes sense that uh, the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The confusion, they ch it chokes out our belief, our childlike faith. The things that used to make sense to us, 
when we were just being kids, those things made sense to us. Again, God was was reaching out to all of us literally since the beginning of our lives and before. But again, we knew we all had this thought of a God at one point. And then the world chokes that out. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, but when I start talking about childlike faith or when I read that, that childlike faith thing, it kind of bugs me because in my head, I, I equate it with, uh, you know, being ignorant kind of, you know, just be a, just go be a dumb kid. And of course you'll believe, right? It's all, it's, it, it almost feels like Jesus is asking us to, to kind of be dumb in a way. Uh, even with that thought, with the idea that being childlike means to stay ignorant, even that is the lesson that we're looking at. You know, uh, he's asking us to stay honest and he's asking us to be, you know, why do people get upset when children are harmed? Because they're innocent, right? That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to stay innocent. That's different than being dumb. He wants us to stay innocent and he wants us to be able to believe and not to allow the world to choke out that belief. Um, one time Emma came up to me when she got a little older and she told me, you know, I thought that if you took a bag from one store into another store, you would get arrested. And I said, why on earth did you believe that? Why, why would you think that? And she said, because you told me that. <laughs> so at one point, my poor, innocent little girl, I must have been tired of carrying bags or something, so I took the bags to the car, and she must have asked me why. I don't know what the scenario was, because I don't remember this at all. <laughs> she did not detect the sarcasm in her daddy's voice, who was just tired of carrying bags, and said, asked me why I wasn't taking them into another store, and I said, because you might get arrested. She believed that. Her childlike faith in her, sorry, her her sarcastic father, <laughs> her childlike faith, she believed that, and she believed it for a while. Uh, she trusted her father, who loves her. This was a lesson for me, too, by the way, that I need to be more careful with my sarcasm. <laughs> Before the world choked out any of her faith, she chose to believe. That's what God is asking for us. The cares of this world, the disappointments of this world, they shape us. You know, when we get disappointed by this world, every time it's just another punch to the gut, if you will, that how, again, how can there be something perfect? How can there be, how can there be this perfect loving God every time we get hit by something in this world every time the thorns start to choke out that faith we allow sin to rob us of our true character you know we were born with this true character of God and then we allow sin to rob us and the whole time who are we blaming instead we blame God instead. We don't blame the sin. We blame God. And then again, I know I've said this a few times, then we continue 
to want the sin that is killing us instead of the God who is offering everlasting life. You know, we're completely okay with our parents taking care of us until we desire more. Until we desire what they're trying to keep us away from. Then all of a sudden, we don't trust our parents anymore. When Jesus brings up this childlike faith, the disciples are competing when he brings this up. They're competing. They're wanting to know. Uh, they're competing with one another. And they ask Christ, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who will, who will be second in command, if you will? They're competing for that, that position. They're looking for the position, the cares of this world. Wealth does not apply in the kingdom of heaven. Position doesn't apply in the kingdom of heaven. The passions of this world, the passions of ease, the cares, the position, the wealth, they do not apply when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. You know, again, wanting life to be easy or wanting position or wanting wealth, they aren't necessarily evil within themselves. They can be a positive motivator. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful that they do not consume us, that they do not choke us out. When they become our only desire, now all of a sudden, we have a problem. You see, as we get older and as we have these secondary, what should be secondary goals of, of life here, they need to be in their proper order. They do indeed need to be secondary. If they choke out our childlike humility, and boy, there's that word, and boy, that word has just been hitting me a lot lately. We have a problem. All of us have this problem that our childlike humility, the humility that allowed us as kids to say, my parents do have my best interest in mind for the most part. All of us can agree with that. I know there are some parents out there that maybe that's not the case for their children. Maybe you're one of those kids that grew up in that type of household. But the mo for the most part, even in those types of households, as a child, your childlike faith, no matter how bad your parents might have been, you still rely on them. You still trust them. You still look at them for everything. But then you start to grow up and the world chokes that humility out of you. And now it is fight or flight that most of us are, are most people deal with. That's how we, that's our motivation. That's how we continue in this world. We allow this world to choke out that childlike humility. <clears throat> and as that continues, we allow the Holy Spirit's leading to be choked out of us. We can no longer be bothered by the Holy Spirit because, let's face it, following God gets in the way of following our earthly desires, our riches, our wealths, our, our position. Again, I've said this a bunch of times, most of us aren't even selling out for riches. 
most of us are selling out for the opposite sex, the ease of life. We're not even selling out for anything particularly awesome. <laughs> We're selling out for small things. We start to get calloused. We callous ourselves because we don't want to get disappointed again and again. So we start to callous ourselves. We put the blame where it doesn't belong. We put the blame on God instead of putting it where it belongs. And that is on Satan and the sin that he produces. Remember, Satan has one object in mind, and that is to kill us. He hates us. And as I've said recently, he doesn't just want us to die. It makes him happy to watch us suffer too. And again, we will continue to keep running to him for some reason. Humility is a bad word right now. When you have things like Instagram and Facebook where we put up our lives constantly that is not humility that is arrogance and again in a world that tells us that you must uh, you got to love yourself do things for yourself and that's not again that's not all that horrible except for if that's what everything you do is for yourself humility is lost in this world again right now we're dealing with this coronavirus thing and we can't even stay home we're asked to stay home and even that is is too hard on us and then there's the other side of this where this is quite a concern in our lives right now are we allowing it to choke out our childlike faith in god is this something else that is punching you in the gut can't think of any other way to put that is this something else that is taking you away from god instead of bringing you closer which i hope that's what it's doing i hope it is a call because that's what this is ladies and gentlemen and it's just another huge example of we are not in control we need to be humble to a god that is in control and promises us a better that is a creating loving God so do you trust that or do you trust yourself when Jesus gives us this parable about the thorns it is a warning you will allow the sons of sin to choke out your faith in him you must persevere. You must be humble and say, Lord, I'm not in control, but you are. God bless.